0: You're listening to a special podcast produced by UM UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running from Thursday, July 11th through Sunday, July 14th at picturesque Birds Hill Park, the Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that's been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. My name's Jared McKidiak. I'm the host of And the Rest is Noise, and today's episode spotlights Steve Gunn. Steve Gunn will be performing at Spruce Hollow on Sunday, July 14th at 4.30 p.m. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca.
1: Set for hours, at your flowers, found ways to hide the pain. Stole your car, drove real far, no one. Can't explain. Fastest hands in the west. Call his name. He knows best. Tonight I'm past the world. Teach us right. All those steps. Before there's nothing left. For all those. Cowboys in the world Me, me at the square of joy a Fixed star in the night No more questions I have your mind Safe and dignified Dear old house On 69th Streets look the same Trees are strong, faces are gone My background is the same Fastest hands in the west Call his name, he knows best Tonight I'm past a world Teach us right, all those steps before there's nothing left for all those cowboys in the world.
0: Into to uh, UMFM 101.5. Uh, this is another episode of Festival Express. Uh, UMFM exploring some of the great uh, musical talent coming to Birds Hill Park this July from the 11th to the 14th as part of uh, with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. And on the line today, you've probably guessed, uh, I just let in with his song, uh Stonehurst Cowboy from a beautiful new record called The Unseen In Between. Uh he was last here in 2015. We're joined by Steve Gunn. Steve, thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course. Uh so I'm going to uh going to kind of jump right into it. Since okay. since beginning your career, you've always been a musician who doesn't really shy away from collaboration. Uh you like to explore number of different styles. Um, Since you put out a new record earlier this year, do you find that collaborating and exploring all these different styles helps shape your own solo work when it comes time to making your own records?
2: Yeah, it really does. I'm I'm, um, really, I'm kind of like a self-taught musician and a lot of the things I've learned over the years have just been by collaborating and exchanging ideas with people and improvising and kind of getting put in different sorts of scenarios and seeing uh, what kind of results come out of them, not really knowing what I was getting into. And for me as a musician, that's really where I I learned the most. And, you know, I feel lucky to have been around a lot of people who are super inspiring and just accomplished. And for me, I like to kind of absorb all these ideas as I'm sort of, you know, collaborating. So I've gotten to play with a a lot of different kinds of people who play all different kinds of styles. And I think that their influence, um, you know, shows in a lot of the things that I do, I think, um, you know, my songs are, you know, I'm obviously sort of singer songwriter. Um, You know, I kind of fall into that ilk or category, but, you know, I've also been playing a lot of open-ended music and and trying to kind of understand music from around the world. And I think that that kind of, it all kind of comes together in, in, in my, my own music, you know, hopefully.
0: Well, I mean, uh, it's something that, that I've definitely seen, and as somebody who's followed your career uh, since you put a, started putting out solo records, uh, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen kind of different evolutionary paths, and I'd like to kind of think that when I hear a new Steve Gunn record, I think about the different kinds of things that you must have been listening in between the last record of yours that's come out. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so it's 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 fun as a listener, too, to, to kind of follow those paths and to, um, you know, you look at the liner notes and you look at at some of the stuff the people that you've played with and then i'll go back and i'll i'll delve into their work as well and uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's led to a lot of great musical discovery so uh, thank oh, you for that great. i really appreciate that of uh, so you know staying staying on on that sort of topic in a few weeks you're playing a pretty big show in brooklyn with a legendary japanese singer songwriter uh, Sachiku Kanobu. Uh, you know, uh, she's not one who is who is known to a lot of casual music fans here in North America, but is uh, certainly somebody who is revered uh, to uh, r- real sort of uh, deep, uh, I guess, folk fans and 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 experimental fans. How did this come about, and and what does it mean to you to be playing? With somebody who is regarded as as a very prestigious musical genius
2: Well, I think that um, it's interesting um, to meet uh, some musicians who are older and who've been around who have made these albums in the '60s and people that I've come to meet um, who are regarded and who are held in such high regard, most of them, almost all of them, in my case, have been so incredibly humble mm-hmm. and you know so grateful that people are still sort of listening to their music and it's super refreshing and inspiring to me that they're still engaged as musicians and as artists and i think for me it's an important like resource you know mm-hmm. and and it's almost as if you're kind of thinking in terms of folk tradition and for me a lot of i i really think that's important and i think a lot of musicians these days aren't really considering those signposts and that history in a way. I mean, there's a lot of these people who are still around and, and still can play concerts and, and still want to talk and engage with the world, you know. And for me, um, being a musician and traveling and, and working as a musician, that all of that stuff is as important as engaging with, with real musicians and, and creating these friendships. And I think in Sachiko's case, you know, I was, I I knew her album and I know that it was sort of passed around in certain circles because it is very special. Um, I, you know, it's, it's very highly regarded in Japan mm-hmm. and there's, it's kind of shrouded in a bit of mystery because Sachiko, she sort of left Japan and started a new life. And a lot of people didn't know where she really went. Uh, meanwhile, she moved to the States to raise a family. And, um, you know, was sort of living in uh, Northern California and was still playing, but wasn't really, you know, pursuing the album that she made in Japan with some pretty highly regarded producers. Um, And so the album was sort of passed around in sort of more kind of like record collecting circles. Um, And, you know, I never I also didn't know the story. Until I heard this radio interview uh, with a local station here in the New York area uh, called, and it's a very important independent radio institution called WFMU.
0: Oh, I'm and, I'm quite familiar with FMU. Yeah. I've donated in the past.
2: Oh right, yeah, so I, and so I've been listening to that station. That's been a very important resource to me and and many people that I know. And I have a few friends that have radio shows there. And one day I was driving, and this DJ that I knew was interviewing Sachiko. And I, I just couldn't believe that she was in New York. And I didn't know her story. And, um, you know, she was explaining her kind of life story and trajectory. And it was really incredibly fascinating. She's lived a quite, quite interesting life. And she was still engaged in and playing. And, and I think that, you know, just the interest that WFMU showed to her, I think they reached out to her years ago, probably through, like, Facebook or something. And, um, you know, she was welcoming uh, anyone who was interested. So, um, you know, I just happened to kind of, like, share this interview and speaking to friends. And then, coincidentally, someone who wasn't even connected to that, I've been speaking to her and the same friend introduced Sachiko to my music and she had been listening to it. And it was this sort of almost cosmic kind of me, sort of occurrence where she was listening to my music and I was, you know, talking about her and, and somehow that kind of connected, connected us. And I was playing a music festival out in, in California and I invited her, it was close to her home and... And and also at the time she was trying to get her album reissued and it's all happening and she's getting it reissued by this label called light in the attic.
0: Very familiar with those guys uh, too.
2: Yeah. And so it's, it's all very exciting. She opened a few concerts of mine this year and there's a lot of new ears going to be listening to her album. And for me, I think it's very special and the message and the music and just the sentiment is, is really beautiful. And she's, She's a very interesting and kind and, and, and very cool person. So, you know, we've, I've made, we, we became fast friends and she's met all my friends and I don't know. I think she's newly, she's got this sort of new energy around her music and she's super excited about that. And we're she's coming to New York and we're playing a few shows um, here, one in a club called Union Pool and another one in Central Park, which kind of blew her mind that we sort of scored this gig in central park. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's really fun. And she's, she's a really special person. So I guess to circle back to your question, you know, these um, relationships and connections um, are as important as any sort of review online or any of that, any of that sort of superfluous stuff. Um, You know, I'm, I'm sort of in it to connect with these people and to kind of be inspired and keep all those channels open you know um to me that's extremely important
0: well I can't agree more I think that you know we have so much that we can learn uh from from the past and from from people who have uh, done the sorts of things that we're doing now, and I think that to ignore it is is somewhat ignorant, and to sort of mm-hmm. just always be looking forward, because you know you've got to realize that in order to get here, we have to we have to pay respect to the people that allowed us to get here. So yeah, sure. so uh, you know I found your new record uh, as I mentioned off the top. It's called the Unseen In Between. To be lyrically uh, your most sort of introspective to date now was there was there something about the process that led itself to that result, or do you feel that you know again it was just a natural progression in your evolution as a musician?
2: I think it was a, it was a bit of both you know I had um done a few albums of, of songs before and I felt like I was kind of changing just generally my way of working on songs and how I wanted to express myself. And after a few albums, I started getting more comfortable in the studio. And I think with this new one, I was sort of approaching almost, almost as if it was like my most serious work. And I was, you know, ready, almost ready to, to kind of work in, in a in a sort of better situation in a studio. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to approach it um, differently as I've done before. And, and my I wanted to kind of be prepared and I wanted to kind of walk in to the studio, knowing the arrangements and knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And I worked on the songs quite a bit. I also, one thing I also wanted to change was I wanted to just work at home and not work while I was on the road and not try to piece together my thoughts while I was hurtling through time and space. You know, I think that, I think it added, I just, it it helped me be a bit more introspective to be in one place going, you know, kind of repeating the patterns of, of, you know, just going into a room and, and really thinking, and 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 um, I had been on the road for a few years previously to this record, and I finally got like a a long break, and I had a lot of things go on. Like I got my father passed away, and I had some other kind of life changes and things, and I just I don't know. I felt like I had a lot to say, and I was sort of waiting for this this time to work, and I treated it. You know, even even if, even though I, some days I wasn't, you know, cranking out songs, I was still processing all of it. And, uh, you know, I, almost as if I was writing a book or, or something like that, where I was just going every day as if it were a work day. And for me, I, I realized that it was a, a very um, rewarding way to do it, you know, and not just kind of piece together things on the fly you know
0: well and i think that you know being able to establish a bit of a routine in a comfortable environment and having that environment be the same sort of day in and day out is going to lend itself to to that sort of uh productivity right i mean it's yeah. you know knowing kind of what what each successive day is going to bring uh has got to be somewhat comforting I know that you love being out on the road but sometimes it's it's nice to to also just kind of be in one place for a while too right
2: yeah yeah and you know was just just less distracting and and I needed that time um you know just to kind of get my get my thought collect my thoughts and you know I just I felt I felt like I really was working and not just sort of throwing things together, you know. Um, and I also felt like at this point I wanted to kind of let my guard down and I didn't. I felt like I didn't have anything to lose and other albums I was always rushing or trying to sound a certain way and, and for me this one felt just like more solidified in, in a lot of ways, you know.
0: Oh, I totally get that. So, uh, as I mentioned off the top, the last time uh, that you were here in Winnipeg was for the Folk Festival in 2015. And so since your last appearance here in the city, uh, the political climate in the U.S. has changed fairly drastically. Um, You know, I'm not necessarily a fan. I've got lots of people who live down there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a bit of a shit show. Uh, really is, yeah. and and has sort of uh, unfortunately um, negated my travel to uh, to the U.S. for quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something this political climate? You know, people of, often talk about how uh, bad politics leads to great art, and you know they cite how during the late '70s and the early '80s, during uh, the era, the the Reagan era how there was this great rise in protest music and in punk music has this informed this this political climate in the US right now has it informed your music and your art or is it something that you've gone in an opposite direction and you've you shut it out because it's it's pretty inescapable
2: yeah no i definitely didn't shut it out and i think that you know another big factor um in this album Um, when I was writing, it was, it was, you know, I had been on the road and I lost my dad and I had just been completely spun out. And then to top it all off, Trump was elected. And I was just, I felt, um, I just felt, you know, I think when you, when in these, in these extreme circumstances, you know, I certainly hadn't felt this way, I don't think ever in my life, but I felt uh, really isolated, and I think that that that's a common way of feeling. And I think that when in in that sort of situation where you're almost in shock and not really understanding why these events happened or or, or how, um, you fail to realize that there's a consciousness and a solidarity among. The people around you, particularly where I live in New York City and the community that I'm involved in, and I think that a lot of people, uh, especially, kind of directly after the election, um, were feeling the same way and feeling like they were they were at you know just grappling with with reality. And I think that once I started kind of feeling. You know the sort of counteractions and and the sort of togetherness um, in, in, in in sort of reacting to it and fighting and fighting it. I I don't know. I felt it felt more comforting in a way, and I felt I that sense that sense of hope again. And I think a lot of the sentiment and the and the album, my new album particularly, kind of is about that you know, on a general level, but but that. That event definitely had um, had its strong influence, and I think that it has been a result of a lot of reactionary art and music and literature, for sure. You know, I think it pushes people to to dig a little deeper and to and to kind of hit the streets and, and be more aware and, and be more aware of your community and your surroundings. You know,
0: well, and the thing is, right, is that next year is going to be yeah. uh, another another election year uh in the US and you know i think that for a lot of folks who live down there you know that first year first 18 months it was kind of a sense of shock and it was kind of like is this is this really happening is this something that is is really going on in all of these decisions that are being made but then Once you sort of resign yourself to the fact that, yeah, we need to collectively come together and we need to push back against this and and start to start to make some sort of positive changes at a at a small level. And then when communities sort of band together and build and grow, that's how. How uh, you know, like, not to say like a movement gets started, but that's how effective change can happen. Is that people sort of wake up and say, "Yeah, it's I'm I'm not putting up with this again." Yeah. Right? I mean, you're you're stuck with the guy for for another year, but beyond that, it doesn't happen have to happen again. And I think that people need to sort of raise up together and and to ensure that that doesn't happen. So
2: yeah and i think that this election is, is very important but i also think that there's a larger arc um and and of of sort of the changing of the guard if you will you know i think for in my opinion i think this is like the last gasp of the old dinosaurs of who of, of the particularly in the foundations of this country and how antiquated the whole system is and how, how sort of convoluted and racist and xenophobic the foundations of a lot of what this country was founded on are and I think that there is I, there is a change. I believe that there's definitely the younger people, that, you know, a lot of um, the sort of people who are starting to get old enough to vote and to be aware of what's happening. there their consciousness is very different and very positive. And I think that, you know, I think that there's definitely things are going to change for the better. You know, this, this, I'm, I'm afraid about, I'm afraid of this election coming up, but, you know, just in general, you can kind of see, you can kind of feel it's, it's certainly palpable here in this part of the country. Um, So, you know, I kind of have to believe in that as well, you know
0: no i totally get that and and, i mean as i said i've got family uh sort of spread spread out across the u.s and so Mm -hmm. i do keep i do keep an eye on it and seeing so many uh so much diversity coming out in some of the candidates um you know you've got you've got uh queer representatives you've got female representatives you've got people of color and, you know, being able to start to make, uh, g- gain a foothold in a system that has traditionally been a lot of stodgy old white dudes is, yeah. it can only be a positive thing, right? I mean, you yeah, know, totally. it, it the representation from a group that, for the most part, is is a minority now. Um, you know, it is time for change. And, and we can yeah. only hope that, um, you know, like you said, this coming election, uh, the results might not necessarily be as drastic as we might hope. But sometimes these things are obviously cyclical and it takes a little bit of time for movement to form. But I think that on the whole, people are are fed up and uh, yeah. that means that change is inevitable.
2: I think so. i I definitely think so as well.
0: I don't want to take too much more of your time. You're going to be okay. back. you're gonna be back up here in Winnipeg. You're playing part of the as part of the the Winnipeg Folk Festival. It runs at mm-hmm. Birds Hill Park from July eleventh to fourteenth. So for folks who might not be familiar with your music or didn't have the, the great opportunity to see you when you were here in 2015, uh, let them know what can they expect when they see Steve Gunn up there on the stage. What can they expect from, uh, from one of your performances, either solo or uh, in, in, uh, in a workshop setting, which is somewhere where I would think that you would absolutely thrive
2: yeah well i'm playing solo and i'll probably be playing a mixed set uh from some older songs and mostly new uh from my new album um yeah so it'll be solo acoustic and for me sometimes that's the most enjoyable setting for me to play my songs because i can kind of really open up and and try different things and 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 it's it's definitely pulls into more of an intimate kind of concert so Mm -hmm. You know, for me, that's always really enjoyable. I can kind of immerse myself in the songs.
0: What I was going to say is that the wonderful thing about the audience at this festival is that Mm -hmm. they are very open-minded. And, and, you know, it's a beautiful setting. It's very picturesque. It's outdoors, you know uh god willing the the sun is shining and yeah you know you can just <laughs> kind of sit back and 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 zone out and and enjoy the music which is uh something that I'm definitely looking forward to I'm going to yeah. be uh uh following you around for most of the weekend so <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah man uh thank you so much for talking today it's been a it's of been course, a really yeah. great conversation uh before we go uh I'm going to ask you to uh to pick something uh, to lead us out on.
2: Okay. Um, I think I'll, I'd like to to choose the song Morning Is Mended off of my new record. You know, we were talking about these feelings of hope and, 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 you know, knowing that things are going to change in the future and believing that, um, you know, this song is addressing those feelings for sure.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Steve. Uh, Really looking forward to seeing you just, just over six weeks here at uh, at the uh, Winnipeg Folk Festival. Once again, uh, July 11th through 14th, uh, hit up uh, www.winnipegfolkfestival.com uh, and uh, get your tickets, and uh, be sure you head on out to Birds Hill Park. It's always a great weekend of music. Here's some more Steve Gunn from his latest record, The Unseen, In Between. This is UMFM 101.5. Jared McKidiak and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting the amazing Steve Gunn who will be performing on Sunday, July 14th at Spruce Hollow at 4.30pm during the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running from July 11th through 14th at Birds Hill Park.
1: I see you in a nothing sky. Now the morning is mended. You moving through as a likeness to defend it. Morning is mended Song and sea came out Left it on the steps and walked away goodbye Don't wait long, I'll be gone Thoughts of you are etched upon my mind I, am a nothing sky Stories never ending Likeness to defend it. Morning is mended. Morning is mended.